Thanks for uh, being patient with me and finally uh, being able to connect with me. I appreciate it a lot. It's it's important to me to, to talk to uh, people that uh, deal with the dogs that I like the most. So. Good deal. Uh, likewise, buddy. Yeah. Uh, I'm honored to, you know, I guess have a little bit of recognition. I've put some solid work in, I think, and stayed true to the direction of the breed. So, definitely in, makes uh, me happy. Uh, and I work with a bunch of other guys that are right there with me, yeah. but maybe not on uh, Front Street, I want to say, yeah. as much, you know, but we work hard together. Yeah. We have hunts probably, I don't know, um, once or twice in the winter and try to do it every other month or or more in the summer, you know. Right. So group of four or five of us get together, try to throw someone new in the mix if the one of the people can't make it or whatever it is, you know, branch out, try to find people that actually have um, true game dogs, working dogs, however you want to put that, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and then just you kind of unite each other so that we can keep everything on track and no quit. <laughs> right. You know, good a little bit of good nose here, a little bit of, uh, you know, I, I believe that Bang is good, but I focus more on a dog that's silent. Uh-huh. But I do like a dog that bays a little bit also. I was, I come, I don't want people to hold this against me because I've migrated, I want to say, transitioned over, but um, I come from the bulldog scene like a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. But I had. American Pitbull Terriers. I bred them for 15 years before I come over to the Patterdale. I've been involved with them for about 10 years, uh, eight and a half, probably be exact. But um, I've always been interested in them. But I had them bigger dogs and only enough facility to you know take care and work mm-hmm. and care for the dog as it should be. So after my last uh, Pitbull that I had, Leech was his name because <laughs> that's what he was. <laughs> Um, I, I tracked deer with, you know, hunted groundhogs, raccoons, did all the same things I'm doing with these Patterdales. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, he dug a little bit better. Obviously he couldn't go down a hole like Patterdale could, but yeah, I mean, I guess that's where I started from. I guess just to follow up what you were talking about, what, um, where did your passion for dogs start? Um, well... It was not even in a terrier group whatsoever, and I think where my passion started was um, uh, German Shepherds. My dad had German Shepherds forever, and we would take them dogs everywhere and anywhere, and I never knew that any a life other than a German Shepherd beside me. My dad raised me and my brother, and we're uh, way out northeast of Columbus, Ohio, about an hour uh, hour and 15, hour and a half. Um, so we grew up, um, you know, far in, in the country, and we always were running up and down the creeks catching smallmouth bass, uh, swimming in the rivers and catching crawdads and whatever, and the German shepherds were always there. Even when I was little, like my daughter, she just ran out. She's six, and <laughs> I remember being six or eight and fishing up in a, like a swamp pond up that way and I just heard a sound squalling out what is that and I ran around the pond and up in these lily pads and these cattails 
that German Shepherd, one of our German Shepherds, had a baby deer down, which I'm going to go full circle on this story up to the Patterdales. But um, anyhow, uh, yeah, had a baby deer down, and I actually had to lay out flat and kind of go across because I was sinking, and I couldn't get all the way to the dog, uh-huh. and the dog and the deer were sinking also. And so I kind of went out there and based up. I remember it plain as day, and I got the the German Shepherd off the deer and so I think that right there like really excited me and made me want to be around dogs and I've always had dogs around me so say probably just running the woods with German Shepherds but I like the ability of being able to grab a dog by the back of the neck and get it troll instead of having to scissor lock it and put it down for the damage that it done Mm -hmm. Uh, Patterdale capable but um of doing everything that i need to as far as hunting wise so when i went to the better i was able to step step up the game i want to say because it was fair game and uh so now i, I you know i've stepped it up i actually I, I i'm able to send dogs down holes after stuff that i've been hunting my whole life your dogs um my kids are able to enjoy them uh you know, my kids are able to run with them. They're basically the perfect dog for me all around mm-hmm. hunting. Uh, and if some people might argue you can't have a true hunting dog and have it versatile, you know, to where it can be family dog, hunting dog, whatever. And I have a terrier here that um, a few people could contest to uh, that is just the all-around dog. He's hands down the best dog that I've had as much as I feel bad about saying that about the the ones I've had before that are gone <laughs> hear, hear me talking about them uh, you know uh, this uh, Patterdale Terrier that I have his name is Lil Bo Cephas he is a all around dog and he'll sit on the couch with my kids or he'll go down a hole and dispatch whatever he gets at or die trying. <laughs> Can you talk about, like, how you heard about Patterdales and when you first came across them, and what was that deciding factor okay. that you were going to go that direction? Well, I say when I first come across Patterdales, it was, I was just researching dogs because I never wanted to give that game up uh, and transition away from hunting and so I was like I need something that has a little bit of brains and tenacity so that I can actually go and hunt and where what direction do I want to go in I mean what prey do I want to hunt well I've been hunting raccoon possum groundhog basically anything that moves here in Ohio uh, within season um, that that moves and so I said I had a book and the Patterdale Terrier wasn't in there, but I had a book. It was like United States Dog Directory or something. I used to study that thing. I'm like, what dog am I going to go to? Because I had this American Football Terrier, and I knew that I didn't want the breed anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, just because they were kind of an anchor to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I did my research, and it was a toss-up between a Red Healer and a Patterdale Terrier. And I went with the Patterdale Terrier because it was more true to the 
game that I wanted to hunt, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, that's, I guess that's pretty much my deciding factor on why I went with that. Um, when I did go with that decision, the first pup that I got was uh, my uh, Red Boy chocolate dog. I got off Todd Fulford. His name, I named him Leroy the Great. He come from, I hope I got my uh, paperwork right here, um, Bethune's Ava and Fulford's Ace. Uh, so, um, he's a good dog. Mm-hmm. And I give uh, 750 bucks for him. And I uh, went about an hour and 15 minutes away from my house. Uh, she's right down there at the bottom of the hill. And, uh, so, uh, I raised that dog up for a little while and I liked what he was and what he was becoming. And I put him on, uh, a rat at like, I don't know, eight weeks. And he, I have video of it stuff. And he just shook that thing around, tried to swallow it. And that was kind of a task getting it away from him. <laughs> And he shook it pretty good and wouldn't let go of it. And I have a video of him lifting him up off the ground and stuff. And uh, he made me pretty proud. And so he got on to, and I have a video of this. He, it was uh, early spring. Uh, he got on a groundhog. He was four and a half months. That video popped up on my Facebook not too long ago. But, uh, yeah, I have a video of him getting on a, a baby raccoon. I mean, what's that, baby? Yeah, it was a baby groundhog um, at four and a half months. And uh, he impressed me again. And then so I want to say around six months, I bought another female. Actually, yeah, about six months, I bought another female off of uh, Todd Fulford. Uh, $750. Went clear down to almost West Virginia. Um pretty much the best female and the best male that I've had as far as uh, starting my own line and everything mm-hmm. since I've uh, um, found the Patterdale Terrier breed and uh, I want to say I'm not going to mention any names because I don't want to hurt any characters or whatever but uh, there was multiple kennels name kennels that I had gotten dogs from them I've spent thousands of dollars, you know, the 1500 that I had involved in that first pair was, uh, that made me happy. And then venturing out from that, I just couldn't find what I wanted. Everything kept not living up to my expectations, whether it was a baying dog, you know, it's okay to bay a little bit, but then get busy. <laughs> and, uh, and I just don't like a dog that only bays. And so that's basically all I found, and a little bit more frailer dog, a little bit more leggy. I personally um, don't really, I'm not sure, I don't really, I mean, I love the Patterdale Terrier breed, and I try to stay within standard, or at least having dogs that are being uh, bred in litters that stay within standard. I personally keep a little bit bigger dogs because I run my dogs so much, and I live in the country, and I like to have a versatile dog that I can let go and run loose. And I don't want just a 
the smallest dog running across. I live by a pretty big pine tree farm and an apple orchard, mm -hmm. and there's just cornfields surrounding me, and so I like to ha be able to let a few of my dogs run free. And uh, if I have that 12-pound terrier that can run down in the hole, um, my dog, once he hits that uh, stage of he or she hits that stage of being ready to work, it's just going to be lost. It's going to bury itself. It's mm -hmm. going to be destroyed all the time. So I got, I think Bo's probably 19 or 20 pounds. He's a little uh, prickier dog. I don't know if I, I said uh, the other breeders here in the United States, I just they just didn't make the cut. I don't want to say no more than that. Yeah. Um, but, but I found a few other ones that did, um, like Jeff Bethune. And Frankie Bethune, and uh, Frankie, he's gone now, but he was a hell of a dog man and was uh, serious about breeding dogs that worked and not just dogs that looked confirmation. And uh, I guess that's where I'm at. I like a little bit bigger dog. I'm not worried about confirmation 100%. I want just to stay true, little, capable dog that is, um, you know, able to get down a hole with a, maybe a little bit of assistance and stuff like that and I do uh, I have a female that I bred and uh, I sent up uh, to Chris Aikens he's affiliated with J&J &J, uh, Kennels I like them guys mm -hmm. um, uh, and he's got a female up there a little chocolate red girl that um, we got some plans to breed back to and so uh, I guess I call my uh, our group my kennel or our group. I'd say more our group because we typically hunt here in Ohio. We're Buckeye blood Patterdale, mm -hmm. just or just Buckeye blood, and we have a group of people that hunt together. And I got a little um, Facebook group that is only open to people that have either hunted with us or that have our bloodline whether they work them or not we know what it is and it comes from game dogs a lot of them are versatile dogs that people have got dogs off of me to kind of free range like i say i let one of my dogs or my daughter's dog and so they're kind of like i guess they'd almost be like the red healer you know i mean running free around the farm taking care of stuff so i bred leroy and jody which I got off Todd uh, to try to keep this in track. Leroy and Jody, I bred, and out of that come a dog named Cake. And Cake bred with a double Noah man bred dog that um, created Lobocephus. And so. Um, he's a he's on a Fulford or Dead Games website uh -huh. there, and a little stout dog. He was only I think like eleven inches and twelve pounds. A little dog that could fly down through anything and get it done, <clears throat> and that's what I wanted—just the stature, the um, you know the bone density a little bit so mm -hmm. it could actually take a bite because I planned on working my dogs and I wanted them to be able to take a bite and I've seen some of the Patterdales I had to go look at some you know 
channels and stuff. I passed. Maybe I offended some people, but I, I, that wasn't my attempt. You know, I was just trying to find the terrier that I was looking for. Now, my dogs have, at least I try to breed them to where they have a little bit of meat on their legs. So if a raccoon would get it, it wouldn't just lay them open and right around the bone, you know, like score the flesh right off the bone. And so these dogs have a little bit of meat on their legs to where they can take a bite here or there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what I wanted. I li- not only I like the look, yeah, so I wanted a dog with a little bit more bone density just because I knew what I was going to be doing with the dog, and I didn't want it to suffer damage that it may not be able to recuperate from and or just, uh, you know, end it all together. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I went to a few places. I've looked at multiple dogs. I've spent thousands of dollars. I probably got five grand. I've spent five grand on dogs and 1500 of that went somewhere with my breeding program. And now that I spent that and I've bred a few dogs, I'm in affiliation with people that are, that seem the way that my dogs work and their dogs work the same, maybe not the same, but different and just as good in their own way, whether it is that little bit of extra intelligence or maybe that one little bay or two before it goes in for the kill. Mm -hmm. And so I try to throw all of that into the mix. I don't necessarily breed for confirmation or look or anything, although I do have my own preferred, you know, I guess look or standard on a dog that I expect. I like a little bit of wedge head, you know, a little bit thicker legs, something that has a little bit more wider set wedge in its jaws so that it can grab a hold and finish the prey. I look for dogs that uh, hold on and, you know, and work a hold instead of just nip here, nip in a hind right quarter and try to get a raccoon to spin. Um, I have uh, a dog that will, is kind of dumb, <laughs> <laughs> and he'll, he'll work a hold, you know? I mean, if he grabs that hold, that's what it'll work. He got into it, uh, he's almost eight years, still working hard, um, thinking I'm uh, turning back a little bit on working so hard um, because he got caught up in a culvert with a dog named Miss Boots from uh, J&J, Chris Aikens owns her. Uh, They were in a culvert last weekend and uh, Miss Boots went in, located this raccoon and went in and she's kind of a bay dog. She works hard. I'm not taking nothing away from her. Uh, She's broken coat, black. and she works hard and I really really like her but again I also like that smooth coat so if I could find a female that's more uh, smooth coat than broken hair uh, and I you know I'm able to find something that has a good nose and whatever I'll probably stay broken coat even though we hunt together and I really really like Miss Boots um, anyhow she goes into the culvert kind of grabs a hold of the raccoon the culvert's big enough for the raccoon to do anything it wants but the culvert is small enough to where it constricts the dog to to where it couldn't stand up fully it's 
every time it would grab and try to shake, it would spin up, and Miss Boots would end up being on her back. Well, uh, Leroy, older dog, uh, he seen what was going on. Well, he didn't, he didn't know that there was a raccoon in there. He smelled, he was looking all over the place, and I've been hunting him above ground uh, for quite some time. He's probably 23 pounds, so he don't really like to go into holes. I can get him there. If he sees something, he's going after it. But if he don't see it and he smells it, he's basically like, it's not worth my time. So I was pointing into the culvert saying, get it, get it, help her, you know, and uh, he was kind of reluctant to because he didn't get a visual on it. And he, even though he heard what was going on and then I shined a light in there and he seen what was going on and he ran right in there and Miss Boots had that dog by the rear end or that raccoon by the rear end and Leroy's running in there face first and he's a little bit bigger and all he could do is nip at the raccoon. They were stuck in that culvert for about an hour and a half. It ripped his right front nail off uh, his claw um, it sliced his nose it got his eyes his ears he's tore up pretty bad but uh, he was a little bit thicker flesh dog like I like I think like if a smaller dog it might have been able to work a little bit more down in there but I don't think I don't think it would have finished I think the dog would have gassed out up in there mm-hmm. um, just not had the flesh to take that damage that my dog took he got it across the nose he got it uh you know multiple spots and i took care of him i peroxide him up a and d ointment all over him and everything and it was probably it was kind of late but i washed him up pretty good couldn't really see what was going on woke up the next day his eyes were swelled up there was pus in his eyes he was messed up luckily i keep some antibiotics on uh around and I got some red scarlet, sprayed him up on that where his wounds were, washed him up again, gave him antibiotics for two days. Now he's just got a few crusty scabs, or scabs on him and stuff. He, you know, it's, he's healing up real good now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, then uh, the following day, we went hunting. Oh, we were getting up in the morning, and Bo ran down over the hill, and uh, ended up getting a hold of a baby groundhog and brought it up and we put a female on there uh, Queen Bee is the dog that I bred that is out of um, a guy named Brad Bruce's um, male that he bred um, from a male that he got off me and to a female that um, we had got off Todd Brad uh, bred those dogs um, and uh, so it was DT and Sage got so many dogs in my head huh. my daughter's yelling at me um, uh, DT and Sage bred not too long ago and created a couple of dogs I got on my yard um I got a six-month female and her brother out here that is just too good and too much effort into to let go. I'm trying to get the female back to a guy uh, who I had bred, uh, sold a dog. Um, I got a dog off of actually Frankie Bethune. His name was Chucky out of um, 
Arkansas, Kansas. I don't know. Same state to me. I live in Ohio. I <laughs> <laughs> got it shipped in. Uh, so, um, but uh, yeah, Frankie was a good guy. He ain't here with us anymore. I uh, sold that dog to a um, guy in Maryland. I brought it uh, up here just to kind of get fresh blood. The dog was really barky, and he was just a little maybe sketchy acting to me when I try to feed him and stuff. He'd he'd like curl up. He's maybe a year and a half. He kind of curl up, not like he was um, scared of me or anything, but he'd curl up kind of like a. I don't know, like a wolf would, you know, kind of like bowing down to me, but ready to nip me. Mm-hmm. And if I get too close to him, he'd do that type of stuff at me. He'd like turn all weird sideways and nip at me and stuff. And I just didn't want that around my kids. So I got rid of him. I bred him to a female that, um, come out of, uh, our stuff, Buckeye blood stuff and went up to, uh, uh, so a male went up to, a double-bred male that we had went up to a lady, Ellie, and she honored me on selling the dog to her. She bred back with her dog, uh, and I got a pup back out of that. I named her Witchy Woman. <laughs> she, um, She's a pretty good dog. We ain't really worked her. She's more of a brood bitch. Mm-hmm. I don't like to say that because she's not going to stay here because she's not a worker. Mm-hmm. Um, she is a brood bitch and uh, very easy to manage. She's worked a few things to enough to prove herself, but she's not a dog that I really want to get out there, um, you know, working on the regular. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have my dogs. I feel like I can manage about five dogs. That's what I have right now. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm working, but I don't plan on keeping all those. You know, I want to try to get them out. I, I have a passion for the breed. And I love my, I have Leroy the Great is his name, my first male I ever had, almost eight years. So we're just out here in the country on a hillside with some Patterdales. Right. <laughs> running all over, running all over the place. I don't know, Bo's my Patterdale that thinks he's a blue healer, or a red healer. <laughs> kind of running around here doing the farm thing, you know. Right. And it's it's great, and everybody likes him. These hunters come in from out of state and stuff. And made some pretty decent friends through these dogs. Like everybody I hang out with is uh, ways away. Anybody that's got some common interest like this, right. you know. <coughs> can you uh, but, uh, can you talk about what your uh, yard looks like and how you like to house your dogs? Yeah, um, I have uh, two and a half acres. The top half of my property's flat. I pull into my driveway, maybe 75 yards at the back side of my property. I got a shed set up, and I got two 8 by 12 cages set up on each side of that with a roof coming down off onto half of that cage with an insulated doghouse sitting down inside mm-hmm. of uh, with the opening facing towards the shed and I have uh, they're aluminum insulated I have little insulated inserts or uh, aluminum inserts that I can put into the box where I run a heating pad up underneath if the winters get real bad or 
it's too awful bad there. I can plug plug them in and get heat generated from there, and they stay pretty cozy inside there. Then I have uh, two six by six cages. All my cages have tops on them. Uh, I got two six by six cages for uh, the first cages I described. I basically can double up some dogs in there, mm-hmm. and I got two six by six cages that I try to keep single dogs. But right now I got two pups and a male in there. That's where I've been keeping Bo when I've been gone. Uh, but yeah, I keep those. I mean, it'll suit three dogs, but one's like more than comfortable in there. Um, so I have the six by six cages with some igloo houses, mm-hmm. uh, sitting up on some like concrete slabs. Um, and that's basically how I keep them. I have, uh, three, four, four tie outs. I basically just, I got one, two, three, four, four pine trees. Mm-hmm. And I just throw a, like a, 20 or double up and make 40 foot uh, chains on there where they can run and quite a big circle around there Uh, and I have the two and a half acres where I have paths down through there Um, I drag, I have a quad and I'll drag a fence down through there and between dragging the fence and running the quad I got like multiple it's like a maze down through there and uh, I guess it looks a big two and a half acres because it's plateau at the top where my home is, a hill back down to plateau, and then a creek, and then a huge hill on the other side of the road with a pine tree farm, and then on the other side is just corn and ant orchard. But uh, that's, I'll drag stuff, you know, if we get something, I'm training pups, mm-hmm. I'll drag it down through the maze and then hide it and stash it in a different area or whatever, and I train dogs down through there, keep the, you know, try to keep their noses uh, alert from a young age, like show them something, get them enticed on something a little bit to where they want it, but they can't quite have it, and then make them track it down and then give it to them, Mm -hmm. something that maybe a bigger dog or a seasoned dog had already, you know, been on. You know, I didn't want the, I don't know, eight-week, 12-week-old dog to get hurt by but I wanted it to know that scent mm-hmm. I track deer also I li- I really like to do that and I say um, that was the start of my main focus on Patterdales I just wanted to be able to um, let some dogs go now you can't hunt deer with Patterdale or dogs here in Ohio but you can track deer so as long as you don't have your weapon and you're like just trying to locate your deer you can do that mm-hmm. what do you uh feed your dogs what 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 does their diet consist of oh i fed diamond puppy to every one of my dogs mm-hmm. for the longest time for the longest longest time and i love diamond puppy it's 31 percent protein 20 or 31 percent protein 20 percent fat so to keep a little bit of weight on the dog mm-hmm. um you know, but if you're running them, it gives them the energy. It's got basically everything you need into it. I fed them that for years, and that keeps the dogs just a little bit heavier muscled. Uh, seems to make them a little vascular and stuff, too. Uh, I think it's an excellent food. I've tried different foods, but nothing really 
made their coat shine and give them the energy and uh, minimized on, I guess, uh, you know, poop. <laughs> and uh, then my cousin uh, got a lot of family into hunting, trying to get some of them on board on the Patterdales, but they basically hunt a lot of blue ticks. And uh, uh, he's got a, a hookup on Rachel Ray's dog food. So I feed them Rachel Ray's Nutrish right now because I'm getting it for 50 cents a pound. I can't beat it, and the dogs are staying built up pretty good. They're, I say they're, they're built up just as good, but a little bit more lean because there ain't as much fat. Uh-huh. And, uh, and their coats are shining. They seem to be doing real well off of Rachel Ray's. Okay, interesting. Yeah, <clears throat> doing pretty darn good. It's got peas and carrots and real roasted chicken and, you know, all kinds of stuff in it. That's good. Can you, uh... Instead of, like, just a bone meal or something, you know? Right. Definitely. Can you uh, talk about, like, what the history of the Powderdale? What... Because I know there's, there's different schools of thought. What... What do you know about the history, and, and, and where do you think it comes from? Well, I've tried to study up a little bit and know what I'm talking about a little bit. I ain't went into it too much, but if in case someone asked me this question, I wanted to be able to answer it, even b- long before you and I uh, started talking or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so they're from England, and uh, they've been around for a whole long time. The, like the black dog, the fell terrier, dogs like that run the hills of uh, like England and um, I don't know. Uh, multiple breeders basically found terriers that worked and actually worked instead of just bayed, mm-hmm. and so they would run the hills together, kind of like me and my friends are. You know, uh, I mean, if this was earlier in the. Uh, the ages or whatever, you know, we'd be maybe some of the people that were recognized to start to breed. But there was a guy named, like, Joe Bowman, uh, I guess, that kind of legitimized the the breed. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know, Lake District of, I guess, of England and the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's where they come from. And I guess, like, a lot of people like to hunt fox and badger and stuff like that over there I guess a little bit different prey over there I mean we got fox but not maybe as abundant we don't have badger but uh, not here in Ohio anyhow Um, so I guess that's where the breed come from and basically bred to go down into holes and either flush uh, for like a staghound or something like that a bigger dog or to be shot but I think that hunting has been outlawed over there so all the I mean maybe not everywhere but I think a lot of the places you either have to apply for permits instead of just going out and saying hey I'm not a fella and I'm buying my license I'm going hunting you know I think it's a little bit more uh, select over there which is no offense to them guys over the pond but I think diluting the breed a little bit on some some standards you know as far as like you know there's so many people that I'm trying to just I guess march by my 
own beat or something and just enjoy myself. Right. And uh, I appreciate the recognition and everything like that. I really do. But I'm kind of a guy that's like to go off the radar a little bit. Like, even when I breed some litters and stuff, there's a lady named Tiffany Ellie. Uh, that I'm like, will you please handle this? Right, right, right. <laughs> and I just don't want to be, and people might think that I'm rude a little bit. Just, I don't want to go, I don't want oh, to, um, you away from me. Uh, I guess, say, oh, my dogs are this, my dogs are that, you know, these people's dogs are that. I just would rather <laughs> the dogs talk for themselves. Right. And so now I guess I'm affiliated with enough people to where the dogs that we breed are going without um having to really advertise mm-hmm. and and i would like to keep it on that level like some people are selling their dogs and that's fine yeah i paid 750 for mine and i'm not saying they weren't worth it they were worth every penny of it and then some uh to get what i actually wanted and from experience of buying stuff that i didn't want um they were definitely worth it but i'm more along the lines of just hunting and keeping hunting people together I feel like sometimes if maybe if you take a little bit less and I think the Patterdale Terrier is kind of set off to the side in its own group like you, know, you can have a, a a pocket bully that is worth $3,000 to get into the bloodline but then you're just breeding for confirmation and there's actually nothing other that the dog has to do other than look a certain way and I think like when you charge a little bit less for your dog and you're more, um, I guess, uh, just affiliated with people that actually truly work the dog, then the dog, you're doing the breed justice instead of just going, oh yeah, I got my dog uh, for sale for $1,000 or 1500 and then it just goes to the highest bidder, which not might not be the, the best hunter or the, the best um, lineup for the future of the breed. And I'm here more to maybe not make a name for myself. I mean, who don't like to get recognized for their work, you know? But at the same time, I'm more here for for the breed because I have a love for that gameness, mm-hmm. you know? It's, it's just something that I feel like is integrated into me. Like, I grew up with my brother, older brother, and my dad, and, you know, raised us. And we were just busy all the time. We come from competitive stuff uh, we baseball football wrestling track i've box done mma jiu-jitsu competitions you know it was just like our life was surrounded by that and so uh i think maybe uh you know i'm just like a proud dad to these uh dogs and since i kind of grew up like that i don't really want my kids to be subject to you gotta compete you know mm-hmm. like this is Sparta you know <laughs> type stuff um, so I kind of get my bloodlust from the Patterdales right. you know right where do you register your dogs and why do you like you PT- hmm, uh, Patterdale Club of America PTCA mm-hmm. but we are going to uh, group of us the Buckeye Blood um, we're talking about migrating over to the ADBA. Okay. Uh, PTCA, uh, single registration, you register your dog, um, do- doesn't matter um, how many dogs were born in that litter. I don't believe that 
it, it you know there's no like confirmation to where like okay if you're gonna register your dogs then we need to know how many dogs were in there okay six let's register the whole litter and then you have that it's more of like hey this dog was bred from this and that you get to register it or you don't mm-hmm. so there might be six dogs in the registry are you know that were born but only one or two of them or none of them registered from that breed and you kind of lose track there a little bit um i'm not the best at paperwork again i let tiffany and i mean i'm i'm good now i write everything down in books but i have never really focused more on the paperwork like i got what i wanted i knew it worked and i was happy with that and i feel like a lot of people that breed strictly you know for working dogs aren't really considered about or concerned about the paperwork so then some people kind of let it slack mm-hmm. you know and so therefore with the Patterdale Club of America maybe it hurts a little bit since the whole uh, litter isn't registered but with the ADBA as far as I'm aware they do uh, register a whole litter so it kind of keeps more track of it and maybe uh, presses you towards just going ahead and getting your dogs registered. Right. I mean, I understand people like to have uh, registered dogs. I wanted registered dogs. I wouldn't have got a dog if it wasn't registered because I want to know that my bloodline was legit. Like, is it a Patterdale? Mm-hmm. You know, because some people may crossbreed. Uh, also, another thing, uh, like the Fell Terrier, Black Dog, Patterdale, Terrier, I think they're all kind of one and the same, and the Patterdale Terrier had maybe just got like a confirmation put on it Mm -hmm. type to make it a breed instead of just a hunting dog, and which is a great, great thing, and I guess it could be a horrible thing too as far as, um, you know, diluting and people wanting dogs that are like named name brand dogs mm-hmm. what other breeds interest you right now I mean what could you see yourself owning besides a Patterdale um again I think I kind of just go with what I think is good and I whatever uh, kind of pleases me and works for me and I, when I say works for me I mean like will actually do work Mm -hmm. for me so i have no interest in any dog that is just um strictly a pet i mean i treat my dogs as pets i treat them like family but i want them to work also you know uh so i have always been interested in kind of like a bullier dog but not quite the terrier or the bulldog or anything and i think like one of the dogs one of the only dogs that really stand out kind of into the bully area that is not come from some type of bulldog is the Rottweiler. And I like a low stance German Rottweiler. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about, I would never breed outside of the no. Patterdale to Patterdale as no. far as a female. I like to keep my bloodline true. I only cross out so that I can no. cross back in. No. So I always try to out my line with a fresh game no. uh you know, outcross and then jump right back in. So I keep my bloodline. We keep our bloodline pretty tight here, our Buckeye blood. But um, the Rottweiler, the true, like, uh, 
Slovakian or whatever you want to say, uh, Ukrainian uh, Rottweiler, the German Rot, uh, with the big blocky head and the kind of that stature. Um, I like that, and I thought I would like to start hunting some hogs here before too long. And I know that my Patterdales will hunt hogs, but what will they do once they get a hog? They'll just flip around on it and not do nothing other than catch it, maybe get beat up or flung around. I know that they're perfectly capable, and it's awesome. <laughs> I love their little heart, or the big heart, and their little body. But I want something that can maybe grab a hold of a dog or a hog and do some damage and down it, or at least slow it down to where you can get a shot on it. I like hunting, and I don't really like using, when it comes to the patterdales or hunting the dogs, I don't like, I figure that the dog is my weapon. So I don't want any other weapon other than like primitive. Um, you know, so I would like to get a Rottweiler and go hunt some hogs and maybe just have like a spear, a big knife or something like that, a net, whatever. Uh, but I want to cross the Patterdale with a German rod if I can. That's been one of my interests. I'm thinking about getting a big old female German rod just to kind of create. I mean, I'll always be into the Patterdales, but I have that for as long as I'm able. But uh, I want to maybe cross the Patterdale into the German rod and create my own breed so I can hunt just a little bit bigger game. I, I'm, I'm somewhere between, okay, another dog that has stood out to me. Um, uh, so. Is a, it's called a Decker Terrier. And they look like, basically like, uh, an enlarged, like a giant rat terrier. Mm -hmm. Like a rat terrier that's just, or like a fox terrier that's just been like beefed up, you know? Uh -huh. And I, I like those, and I thought, like, I already have the Patterdale. Into the German rot would be great. So I already have that set of the line. I don't really like to, you know, maybe. I mean, I like to venture out, like we're talking, right. but to venture out too far off of what work, what is doing the job for you, is kind of a scary situation because then you just lose time and investment into other dogs that you know that do work for you, you know, and do what suit your needs. Yeah. Um, but the Decker Terrier and the German Rot would be a pretty neat cross, but I don't really know. I don't have. A, I mean, I like the way what I read on the Decker Terrier, but I've never seen any in person, and I know it's kind of maybe a rare breed and maybe kind of a cross itself, um, but they're a pretty neat breed if you check them out. Yeah, uh, that into a German Rot would keep a little bit more of the size. Mm -hmm that you may have like a huge variation in size between what you get off a Patterdale Terrier and a German Rot versus what you get off of a Decker Terrier and a German Rot, you know? If you're breeding for size, right. I'm mentally and physically capable dog, mm -hmm. enough athleticism to get it done. Right. I, I find like what I, I don't want to knock on some of these Patterdales uh, as far as, um, I have uh, as far as like I'm saying oh I like a little bit thicker dog and this and that it's got to have a gas tank on it to finish the job so I mean if this gets too thick I just feel like it can't and I don't want to sacrifice something that is 
not able to get down a hole. I want it to be able to get down a hole. Even though I breed a little bit bigger, I want it to be able to, you know, uh, work a hole if need be. And so, therefore, sometimes, like this double Noah man dog, he's thick, he's everything I was talking about, but he's small also. So the lankier dogs, uh, I, I don't want to knock them because their gas tank goes for days. Um, but as far as their finishing capability, sometimes I just feel like they lack it. And it, what does it matter? I mean, if you, you know, if you don't have the, I guess the full recipe. Right. I don't know. No. They're a wonderful breed for sure. Um, I've, I was tickled migrating the way I did. And now that like I'm watching my dog that works so hard in every direction, whether it's for, you know, actually keeping the, the neighboring properties and my property free of varmints, you know, and, uh, protecting the livestock and, or playing in the yard with my six year old Mm -hmm. and not really having to worry about that possible oh he's so huge I can't take my eyes off of them you know Mm -hmm. there's there's never a sign of aggression or anything at all towards kids only love and 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 then like he went from my daughter throwing grass up in the airplane with him to catching something in the wind and he's sniffing out something up in the edge of this uh tree line up here by the pine trees and she's kind of following, so I'm staying close in case there's something down in there. He'll he'll just catch a um, a mouse or a mole. He'll dig these little mole holes up and <laughs> pounce on them and grab them, shake them right out of there. It's pretty neat. Yeah, that's 